Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 69. Today's episode is all about recognizing and changing karmic relationships and spiritual patterns. Stop resisting the grief. When you feel sad, when you feel emotional, when your eyes well up, that's because your heart is opening up and there's new information downloading. Downloading in your mind, downloading in your throat, downloading in your heart. You are getting new information that's telling you exactly what's going on why you're having resistance, and what you can do in the future to change your place in that dynamic. Not everything has to be a conflict. You have to first overcome your inner conflict, which means giving yourself permission, like you said, to take care of yourself and your family first, and then address the outside world, including your outer circle of family and friends. Karma is a bitch. I used to use that phrase all the time when I was younger. The funny thing about that phrase is, by the nature of karma, wouldn't it only be a bitch if you were first the bitch? (laughs) Yeah, my relationship with karma has evolved, like pretty much everything else in my life. Now when karma comes back to me, I'm usually pretty stoked. Like, thank you. I knew this would pay off. I knew the love I've been putting out would come back to me. At its simplest form, karma is kind of like an accountability buddy. The only problem is, karma is not always at its simplest form. So let me explain. So we tend to think of karma like what we put out comes back to us, right? And that's true. It gets a little more complicated when we consider that the karma we're working with may not have originated in this lifetime. You could be working with karma from a past life or even a parallel life. When I was first learning about karma, I remember thinking, I wonder if this is just extra complicated so we don't catch on that it's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I've always been the most enthusiastic, all-in skeptic I've ever known. But as with anything, when you start to see how it plays out in your life, it's kind of hard to write off, right? Here's how I understand it now. Yes, what you put out comes back to you. And your soul came here for specific lessons. So karma can also appear in your life through spiritual patterns or imprints that guide you throughout your life, if you allow them to. So what does it mean to allow your karma to work through you? This is the simple part. Stop resisting and be open to its guidance. Well, I guess it sounds simple, but is it easy? Not really. Most people go through life just thinking that bad things happen to good people without ever really challenging that idea. Challenging an idea doesn't mean just negating it. It's more about bringing more awareness to an idea in order to find the deeper meaning behind it. You can look at this like bad things happen to good people because the universe is completely random and that's how the cards fell. Or you can look at it like bad things happen to good people in order to strengthen them and guide their highest purpose. Because the universe is not random, everything is connected, and it's all part of the divine design. Whichever of those two perspectives that you choose to take, I can almost guarantee you that your life will reflect that belief. I've been thinking about karma even more often since I had a baby. Because now, my karma doesn't just affect me, it affects my little one. Yep, there is family karma too, which is passed from one generation to another. 
I can practically hear you listening to this and thinking, okay, Melissa, now you've gone too far. So I'm responsible for all the bad crap that my mom and dad did too? Not exactly. You can think of family karma in the spiritual sense, which is that you are not separate, all energy is connected, and your ancestral energy is a piece of you. Or you can look at it this way. Abused and traumatized parents pass these traits unintentionally to their children as well. Abused kids have a much higher likelihood of becoming abusers themselves. Children of alcoholics or addicts have a higher likelihood of becoming dependent themselves. When you're surrounded by a pattern of behavior or even a mindset, that is what you normalize. And if you don't consciously correct it, it's likely to become your default. So I have a child now. What behaviors of mine will become his default? Somehow, when I think about my karma affecting more than just me, it lights an even bigger fire under my butt to work that shit out. Am I going to be the one to heal these patterns? Or am I going to pass them down to the tiny human that I love most in the world for him to deal with? So today we're learning all about karmic relationships. And when I say karmic relationships, it's not just about people. It's about how you relate to food and money, family, culture, religion, sex, death, and even your environment. You will understand what karma is and learn all the ways to reveal, accept, forgive, and transform your connections in every dimension. Our guest is Tracy Dunblazier. She's a Los Angeles-based spiritual empath, shaman, and 20-time national award-winning author. She's a certified grief counselor and multi-sensitive, and she's helped thousands of people achieve deep healing, success, and peace. She's also the president of the Coalition of Visionary Resources, which is the trade organization for the whole mind-body-spirit industry. So three key things we will learn are how to recognize your karmic relationships and spiritual patterns, and how to use them to your benefit or change what no longer serves you, how to experience a quantum shift by starting at the lowest common denominator, and how to accept others as they are, release shame, and find tolerance. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Tracy Dunblazer to the show. Thank you. It's really wonderful to be here. So what led you to your research on karmic relationships specifically? Well, that's a wonderful question. I have had a life full of karmic relationships. And basically what that means is that uh, the patterns that I had ingrained in my spirit, things, things like awarenesses that I had about myself or my soul, from very early on, two, three, four, five, six years old, dreams, nightmares, things that uh, occurred on uh, the ether dimensions of life really informed how I looked at my regular waking life. And in order for me to more deeply understand the duality of both of those things for me, I just, I sought my spirituality for, for a while. I sought different religions to learn about them, but eventually I understood that all religion is a way 
a ritual that we use to cultivate our relationship with the creator. And so that is, I sought that path of continually looking for the reasons why these experience, you know, what things to explain the experiences that I had through that, all of the different relationships that I had would inform that. And that's what we call a, kar- a karmic relationship isn't necessarily a happily ever after story. It is a, it's a story that informs uh, and helps you to investigate a deeper part of yourself by looking through the lens of someone else. So most of us understand karma as kind of being that idea of like what goes around comes around. But I want to go back to the basics of that. So is that accurate or is there a deeper explanation of what karma actually is? I love that definition of what goes around comes around. <laughs> and and to a degree it's true, but it, the word karma is a Sanskrit word that means a reaction to an action taken. And so what comes around goes around is whatever action we take sends ripples in time that eventually will come back to us. But when we relate to that on a mental or uh, or emotional level, that's where we think of things like revenge or they're going to get what's coming to them. Karma's sharpening her nails and she's coming to you. We, we begin to think of that. But in that regard, karma doesn't necessarily mean that people will receive the same suffering that you had. It actually means that they may feel the guilt of causing harm or causing pain to someone else, that they will feel the weight of the impact that they've had in the world at some point, what, how, however that looks to them in their life. When I was younger, baby spirituality, <laughs> I like to think of it, I remember thinking, you know, it would come back in more of an exact action. But what I've found is that like you said, my repercussion from something that I do could just be guilt that I carry for years until maybe I address that. Or it could be, or it could be some, one of the examples that seems to have happened to me a lot in my twenties is whenever I would somehow like cheat the system in some way, like I remember one time I ended up like getting something for free and I could have cleared it up. I wasn't supposed to get it for free. I could have cleared it up and I didn't. And I felt a little guilty and I ended up losing almost that exact amount of money in other ways <laughs> within like right. within a few months. Right. Well, you know, so, so, and that's, that's a really great example to use here because your guilt is what informs your healing. And if people believe in other in, in multiple lifetimes, it may take lifetimes for someone to actually experience the guilt from actions they may have taken. And what that might look like is they end up two or three incarnations down the line. Every, every bad thing that can happen to someone happens to them. And so they're sitting in their life going, gosh, poor me. Everything bad that happens happens to me. And they are forced to go through a process to process out or overcome that selfish relationship that everything revolves around them, right? And guilt is an emotion that we feel that points us to what we may or may not be doing for ourselves, or what we may or may not be, uh, the way in which we might not be taking care of ourselves. Guilt is an arrow pointing inwards, either to the heart or to the stomach. If we are not taking care of ourselves, we feel it in the heart. And if we're not taking care of others, we feel it in the stomach. So ultimately, it's not about the loss of the money, but it is about your relationship to standing behind the integrity 
that you want, the person being the person that you want to be, when you have that integration and when there is no energetic gap in between who you want to be and who you are, you are powerful, right? And that's the point. The point is to be powerful. The point is not to make a mistake and have to pay for it, right? We know there are a lot of people for whom that does not work. (laughs) (laughs) For for sure. they can, they can lose billions of dollars over and over and over again and not think twice about it. It's the impact that you get to be who you want to be in the world, who your soul says you are, and then you begin to actualize that. One of the things that you say in your book is that understanding karma means being able to recognize the multiple ripples that an event sends out and how it affects different generations. So you said that we can be affected by karma that we've acquired in our past lives, How does it also affect us through different generations? Like, can I be affected by karma that my grandmother, for example, has acquired? Um, Yes. And what that looks like is the thoughts, identities, and behaviors that your grandmother would have had. If you spent a lot of time with your grandmother, you know, for example, uh, you know, I don't know when your grandmother lived, but my grandmother was born in 1905. And because of the life she lived, her, her, her famous tagline about everything was, well, I don't know why you'd want to do that. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, it was just, I don't know. You kids always go out to restaurants. You don't need to go to a restaurant. You just need a meat and a potato and a dessert. That's all you need. I don't know why you go out to restaurants. That's stupid. She had this, oh, this rock solid wall in between her and her heart and the outside world. That doesn't mean she didn't love, but how she loved was almost impenetrable. And so to very sensitive beings like my sisters and I, you know, luckily we had a great sense of humor so we could make fun of the person that she was. But my mother was deeply affected by her because there was no intimacy. There was no emotional support. There was only, you know, buck up and get over it. Right. And so when we talk about karmic patterns, that's what we're talking about is the work that one generation comes into the world to do. They are aligned to be able to do it. But what that looks like to the generations 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the line, you know, our generation came in to do a very different thing, almost the opposite thing that they needed to do. And so that's why we have conflict and generational conflict and miscommunications because. Each generation is imprinted spiritually with an objective, their collective goal or role in the world. What was that objective of maybe my mother or my grandmother's generation versus the generation now? You said that they're the opposite or very different. Earlier, like the greatest generation, they grew up in the Depression and wartime. That was the height of their human life, right? I mean, even back then, the expect life expectancy was in the late 40s, early 50s, right? And it, it's, it's gotten bigger and bigger, but longer and longer. But they didn't have time to be emotional. They were builders. They were industrialists, right? So they came to build a world. We, however, are born to be empathic and to reconnect with the world with the aspects it's lost, reconnect it with its soul and with with the environment and our relationship to the creator just as a person, like uh, despite religion, our daily relationship to the natural world. And the way we do that as a people, as the collective, is, is through empathy. So they were born not to feel and we were born to feel so completely that we cannot overlook certain things or certain behavior to reconcile. 
that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny we're having this conversation. I am currently in the middle of a <laughs> generational conflict. I have a new baby. He's nine months old. And as any new mom might know, the older people in the family <laughs> like to exert their will on why every single thing you're doing is wrong. <laughs> so I was actually processing this morning, most of the weekend. And it's interesting because some of the things that are coming up now, I'm like, has it always been this bad? Like, is there something about the birth of my baby that spiraled this? And I think what I'm finding out is actually it's highlighting things for me. And if I really look back, it has been like this most of my life. It's just I've made excuses for it. It was all I knew. I was an only child. Like, there was a lot of different things. And so now I'm understanding that, I have my own family and I'm not willing to bend on certain things. And so I'm, I'm setting boundaries that I've never really set before. And so I look at this, like I do trust that everything that happens is for my highest good. And so that means now is the time for me to, to work on really enforcing my boundaries, being less affected by the emotions of other people being less, this sounds kind of bad, but being less concerned with, if everyone around me is okay, if it's at the expense of if I'm okay and if my family's okay. And so yeah. I'm dealing with these things, but it's also making me realize these layers of patterns that I've had. And I have been able to see patterns on both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side for quite a while. But now it's like new layers are being revealed as time goes yeah. on. And maybe it's that I'm ready to now address that next layer. I am very self-aware, but it is not always easy to identify these silent karmic patterns. How do you advise people to become more aware of the patterns that they may still be living their life through? Right now, I am working on a new book. It'll be out in 2023, and it's called Transformative Grief. And it's the premise that grief is a natural part of every day of our lives, and we grieve every transition we go through. And we live in a culture today that that resists allowing us that grief, that that time to process emotionally, whether it be through tears or laughter or anger, whatever, whatever big emotion we want to feel, our culture resists allowing that. Or if we do, we are labeled as crazy or angry or whatever. So my direct answer to your question is that stop resisting the grief. When you feel sad, When you feel emotional, when your eyes well up, that's because your heart is opening up and there's new information downloading, downloading in your mind, downloading in your throat, downloading in your heart. You are getting new information that's telling you exactly what's going on, why you're having resistance and what you can do in the future to change your place in that dynamic, right? Not everything has to be a conflict. So in your circumstance, you have to first overcome your inner conflict, which means giving yourself permission, like you said, to take care of yourself and your family first, and then address the outside world, including your outer circle of family and friends. That's the first thing. The second thing is learning how to not tolerate others' instincts for conflict, right? Inflammatory language is a big one. You're doing this wrong. You could have done this, and that would be right. Why do you always dot, dot, dot? We begin a sentence that already picks the fight. <laughs> and so we haven't, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to what 
really is at issue. And in this case, I laugh. I don't have children, and that was a deliberate choice. And I have the deepest empathy for friends. All of my friends have kids, and, I, and they, all, they all have teenage kids at this point. And I feel for them because one of the things, <laughs> of the things that happens is that your child is going to grow up to be all of those things that you don't believe in or that you rebelled against or that you ignored in yourself. Like you're, you're going to see it in living color in your child, right? And so parents, your parents possibly, who knows, but when they look at you and what you're doing, they're, they're looking with a, an objective eye, an objective perspective, which of the things that they were unable to do and the things they were unable to be. And they don't understand, like, they don't understand tolerance. You know, they would prefer to... You know, back then we used belts and we got spanked or you had to go get your own switch and get paddled with it. You know, there was all of these things about discipline where today these kids need solid discipline, but they don't need anger, frustration or violence in any format. And so that we, you, end up having to be that that glue in between your point of view and your parents' point of view to help them understand that you know, it's your child and they came to be parented by you. They did not come to be parented by them. And there's a reason for that. What they know is right for them, but it is not right for you or your child. Were you reading right? my text message history? <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. As a matter, I am psychic, so I tuned in earlier. I, I know that because it's it's the only natural place to go. I mean, c- consider that people take a great pride in what they've gone through in life. And then to find that a world has passed you by in all of these different ways, and then and you may or may not have the support or the ability to, to, to catch up or be in sync with that, you know, but yet you've been indoctrinated in your generation to believe that what you were taught was the way it was. That's, pardon me, but that is some rough shit to handle. That is, that is, that's, that's hard, and it's hard for a generation who doesn't know how to grieve it, right? And so that puts you or... Any person, my, my philosophy is if you are the person who has the wisdom of the situation, then it's your responsibility. Because if, if they had the wisdom, they would be sporting it, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it puts the person who understands what's happening in the position to have to say, look, I, I love you and I'm so grateful for all you, all you are, but I need this one. And if you, want, if you want to know why, I'd be happy to spend time and share, share it with you. But refuse the the need to con- to be in conflict or to struggle with them what they want is to be acknowledged for who they are and you and and in any situation you can do both and i don't know why i went to a, <laughs> to a you pool. you know why something inside you knows why <laughs> yeah I, uh, this the last 2 years has been especially enlightening in a lot of different ways for me. And I've been on this journey for like 15 years now. So it's like a new level of spirituality, a new level of self-development, a new level of just self-reflection and and actually being able to see my own patterns, the things that I can show up better as. What I found, especially in this last few years, is that it feels like there's uh, some cracking open and and people are going in two very separate directions. And I'm going one way and I'm finding my people that are going that way also. But it's interesting because especially in the last like, well, actually it might be since I've had my baby, 
I have been having these almost realizations that are so deep that it feels like I'm like tripping on mushrooms or something. <laughs> like, especially when I'm like breastfeeding my baby and I like, will see something for what it is. And it's almost like an out of body experience. And I can see all these layers and it's, it's a lot for me. Like, I'm like, do I need like, I think, do other people get on anxiety and medication when this happens? I'm not willing to do that. What do I do instead? Maybe this is like a deeper level of spirituality that I'm just understanding and it's just overwhelming for me. So that's what I've been (laughs) handling. And also you talk about that gap from where you are and who you want to be. And so in those moments, I might see it very clearly. And sometimes it's almost like I automatically be come that like it like the shift happens quickly and other times I do sit in that spot of like why can't I just be over there I know it's easier to be over there and so you say that in order to experience what would be called a quantum shift we need to start at our lowest common denominator can you elaborate on what that is and how to figure out what it is for you well so your lowest common denominator is your densest emotional obstacle right? Well, let's take money, for example. Everybody's got issues with money. Money relates to also our issues with food, our ability to, our food is our first obstacle as a child. And you, you, you soon will learn this, right? Because your baby is nine months old, but when they get to be uh, old enough to say, no, I don't want any. Uh, and especially, you know, children are known for accepting, re- receiving, or saying no to food is their first expression of personal power. And so, when they say no and they shut their mouth and nothing can get past it, it is that relationship that they first begin to understand their relationship to themselves and their own sense of personal power. And then it, and it just continues from that point. So our lowest common denominator is how we are allowed to feel and how we are made to feel within that sense of empowerment. Maybe somebody feels fearful. They're made to, to feel fearful. They're made to feel diminished and less than and not powerful, right? Whatever happen, whatever their relationship to that sense of power and however it's nurtured is going to be their lowest common denominator as a teen and as an adult. And so at some point, they're going to have to go back and retrain their relationship to their first experience of power, feeling power. That's why a lot of kids grew up to be overeaters. When they were first powerful, that was the one thing they could do that retained a boundary that they that was their own. And I know I, it's it's really basic, but it's very interesting. So as they get older, they either overeat or they undereat, right? But it's still in that that basic relationship of either accepting or denying somebody else's energy. So your lowest common denominator is whatever that thing is that that is the biggest emotional obstacle for you. Always train your mind. You ask yourself, do I have a balanced relationship with money or do I have a balanced relationship with food? Those are the first two things to look at because that will explain a lot of how you relate in general. Once you have an understand, like, so let's say somebody's lowest common denominator is being very self-serving. They have a real difficult time acknowledging what other people are going through because they're always going through something, right? That person usually, if they either feel too much or they feel too little. So, Either of those people will go on a balancing journey to those who don't feel enough will learn and be be subjected to a lot of people who feel everything and vice versa, right? The whole goal is to understand things from all vantage points and to balance yourself out in whatever it is that you're doing. Your ability to care for yourself, but your ability to acknowledge and have compassion for others, right? 
So uh, I want to, you said something really powerful about motherhood naturally brings a quantum shift. What happens during pregnancy is that the pineal gland in the center of the head, it gives off a, a chemical called DMT, which is a natural psychedelic drug. And that is the way that we energetically, spiritually connect with the souls around us and specifically for you with your baby, right? So when you, that's, you, you first started your relationship with your child by opening up energetically and your body created that space for you to do so. Now that the baby has come through you, that dynamic hasn't changed back to, it won't ever change back to what it was because you now need this altered awareness. So uh, deep breathing helps to shift uh, that awareness to receiving what you need and then taking a little break and then uh, just, it, 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 it tends to balance things out and help you ground the information that you're receiving. That experience is something that people on a global level right now are happening because you know what else causes that same experience? Trauma, mm. <laughs> a pandemic, <laughs> politics, <laughs> Yeah. right? Everything that we've experienced in the last five years is causing these uh, collectively deliberate but singularly undeliberate psychic shifts into an altered awareness. And when people are unable to get onto the higher frequency highway of, you know, love and compassion and, and care for all, they take the lower highway of if it's them or me, it's going to be me, right? The, the lower highway is that there isn't enough for all of us, so I'm going to have to get mine and I'm going to do whatever I have to, to get mine, right? And that, that's what we're seeing right now, the, the, the division it's not real. It's that this quantum shift happened for the collective and there were two highways. There was a fork in the road and, and somebody either took this one and said, you know what, we're all going to be okay. There's enough for all of us and I'm going to do what I can, not only to care for myself, but to care for others, or I need to get mine. Otherwise they're going to take it from me. Right. I mean, that's, of course, there's lots of space in between that, but what we're seeing and what we what we become more aware of right now is is the division and the the amount of space in between that division. It seems like an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. 
I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. I feel that. And it does seem like you know, a lot of people are experiencing a quantum shift in their intuition. They're embracing their power in a way that they haven't before. So I see a lot of good. And and it seems like other people are completely shutting their intuition down if they had it at all. Maybe it's more that they weren't connected to that. So they don't feel what that is. And it might feel scary. And so it's easier to just numb. It reminds me of my 20s when, you know, I did experience certain real life traumas. And so I spent the next 10 years numbing it all out. And so then now understanding that I'm an empath and then, you know, some of the things that I'm, that are being revealed to me or that I'm opening, maybe just allowing myself to finally be open to, it feels like, when I was a teenager and going through my first breakup or like these raw things where it's like such a big thing. And I'm, I'm having to have grace with myself. Cause I'm like, you know, you've been on this journey for a while, but there are some things that you are still new to. And there are some things that you might be processing like a 13 year old. <laughs> and so, sure. and so allow yourself that. And, and like you said before, allow yourself just the grief to cry and to feel it. And you even talked about food. And I know you have a whole section in your book called The Karma of Eating Disorders. And I was, I had a very serious case of bulimia for a little over 10 years. How does, what is the karma of eating disorders? How does something, that relationship of the first time that you exert your will becomes so disordered that it's almost, it could be killing you? Well, in the spiritual world, like when we think about from a spiritual perspective, Life and death are both sacred. And so if, if neither of those things matter, then the story in between becomes what is valuable. And I find that every person has their relationship with food in the way that they do based on a karmic pattern that uh, for me in the book, I'm sure you read that first chapter, my relationship to food came from processing the uh, ancestral death of my great, great, great uncle who died in Auschwitz and he died of dysentery. And so for me, I, I hoarded food as a child. No reason for that. You know what I mean? But, and, and, and I found a friend who lived up the street and she and I would go and raid, raid our refrigerators. And then we'd meet back behind the shrubs and, and show like, like I got cornbread today and I got the saltines and like, I mean, (laughs) When I think of it, it was so real and so important back then. And now I'm going, what the heck was that? That was so ridiculous. But it was it was fulfilling. And one of the things that I've had to overcome in my relationship to food is to be at peace with having that light space, having that empty feeling. I don't have to be full all the time. I'm not going to die that way. Like I literally it came to when I once I understood where this pattern was generated from or what I was still 
uh, putting out into my world, which was a fear of at some point not having enough. It wasn't me having mastery over my body. It was me not being able to control the world outside of me should some big, ugly situation happen and I am prevented from eating, right? I mean, like, see, that's not even like rational thinking, but that's the reason why most of us don't ever really address, like when, when you're talking about uh, an actual eating disorder, uh, anorexia or, or uh, you just said Bulimia. you're... Bulimia, thank you. Both of those are caused by spiritual patterns that you've got to address the spiritual pattern that is underneath it. Sometimes I've seen people carry spirits that that have issues or that died in a, a fearful or a terror-related way. And so the person relates that ma mastery of eating food or denying food to help them overcome the anxiety of this spirit that they're carrying. Right. But no matter what the circumstances is, you're going to find the patterns are usually related to what's going on spiritually for you, energetically for you. Once you admit or acknowledge that realm of something, it releases you from that emotion or feeling that tells you you must continue this negative behavior. Right. Meaning because you were saying, you know, how do we how does somebody overcome wanting to throw up their food, you know, it, once they've eaten a good meal, like how do you, how do you stop that? There's a, there, it becomes a reflex. And once you get to the origin of the spiritual pattern, just that knowledge, it shifts the intensity of the pattern at hand. Once that shift has taken place, then there's a little more freedom to exert your own sense of mastery and choice and retrain the body to do what you need it to do. We can feel like doing something, but retrain our body not to do it anymore. Athletes do it all the time. I have been healing my eating disorder for almost as long as I had it now. I thought for a very long time that, you know, I must have just broken my brain and, and this is just always going to be something that I am sort of plagued by, but I've learned a new way to handle it. I've learned to breathe through it. It's interesting because since I've had my baby, for some reason, I have not had any of those thoughts. So I'm not sure. Like, it's like this weight has been lifted off of me. And so, yes. like I said, I, I was good at managing it. I've been managing it for years. But now it's like, it's like it's gone. It's lifted. And at the same time, I've also been willing to address a lot of other behaviors. When I had my baby, I could see him watching me. And so maybe my nightly glass of wine, all of a sudden I'm like, ah. you know, I know a lot of people in my family have drinking issues. I know I used to drink a ton and I've just been, I don't know, I've, right. I've been managing the behavior again, but making excuses for the part that still was there. And I'm like, maybe I should just let it go. So I've, I let that go a few months ago. I've been managing my phone stuff. And and it's like the more that I'm willing to actually see things for what they are instead of just be like, no, it was never that bad. Or no, even if I, I thought that if I changed the behavior that I could still keep the same excuses, if that made sense for the old behavior right. or even for the new behavior. And so now I'm just like, no, that was disordered. Why not just cut it out? Like, what am I holding on to? And so right. since I've been doing that, though, it's like things are being revealed to me even faster. And so, and then that means also friction with other people that maybe I'm growing energetically apart from have been more obvious. And this 
episode is kind of like my personal therapy session right now, but <laughs> I just feel like it's so good. And I know so many of my listeners have eating issues and, and I've been just, I just like to lay out my life on the table. So if it resonates, it resonates. So here's my shit. You can sit in it with me. <laughs> but, but when we're looking at all that ancestral stuff, Sometimes it's like, I feel like I need to know exactly where it came from in order to address it. But what I'm finding that it's not necessarily that I just need to acknowledge that there's some sort of disorder there, that there's some pattern there. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to know, oh, it was this comment that happened when you were four. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so how does that play into it? It's interesting. So both things are true. So you, you do have to start anywhere. You do have to make a choice outside of the pattern no matter how comfortable or not that is the interesting like you uh, your your child must be a very powerful child and often this happens where a child will come into the lives of the parents and it will bring what it has to offer to the world to you and its presence in your life this energetic pattern your child is is resonating what's the word i want vibrating out into the world is requiring these changes of you. It's your drinking has changed from needing to drink to wanting to drink to just wanting to drink because you can drink to, well, I really only want to drink and really enjoy a drink if I want to do that. I don't want to have to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You're shifting your consciousness into, I'm only going to do things that truly bring me pleasure. And you know what? Right now this doesn't. So I don't, I can, I don't have to do it. It's not, I don't, I don't have to do it and I don't have to not do it, <laughs> right? That's, that's the biggest freedom is to be completely neutral. We call that being at zero point, coming back to a place where you're starting fresh and new, but there is nothing, no attachment to moving forward with something or leaving it alone completely, right? You'll find there'll be a lot of those in your path and, and it's probably the energy of your child, which is preparing you for uh, a part of his needs that will be that he will have growing up. You know, he he he's going to need certain things from you and your awareness and your presence. And he's letting you know all along the way, energetically, again through these through these vibrations, through the signals that he's sending out, what he's needing from you. And as it turns out, it just so happens it's exactly what you need too. Right. That's one of the things that when we find we are shifting one flow of karmic relationship into another flow of karmic relationship. Right. Oftentimes we it makes us feel better to end those relationships in conflict to say, oh, I don't need that anymore. Or you did X. So stay away. You know, we want to make it big and dramatic. But the truth is there comes a time when we our energies are our wheels shift into another vibration and we need a whole other cog you know, system to get involved in that really allows us to be inspired and to continue to move forward. There does not need to be any bad feeling in that. Like it really is okay. And it doesn't mean that there is an absence of love. And I think that again, our culture, I'm going to blame everything on the collective, (laughs) but our, our culture, they feel like it's awkward. If you love an ex-boyfriend, you know, you love an ex-boyfriend. We, we didn't work out. We couldn't be together, but I love you. Like, that's like, what do you mean? You know, that they, they, they create all of this drama around that. And it's not that. We can love our enemies. We can love people who don't do well for themselves or, or others. We can love those people. The only, and, it's, and, and loving them doesn't mean tolerating their bad behavior. You cannot tolerate somebody's bad behavior and love them all at the same time, right? And, and if anything, it actually makes your 
unwillingness to continue to allow them to be how they are in your presence, much more powerful and definitive in the energetic boundary you set because you are setting, you're saying, I'm inviting you in. You just have to wear this cloak to get in. You've got, you've got to, you've got to change this thing. You've got to, you've got to be who I need you to be, to be in. And if you can't do that, I respect that. But the door doesn't open to you unless you do, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that we, like I said, we have a tendency to want to create conflict and struggle in everything that we do as a part of the transition rather than just grieving the transition. I find that this is something I've gotten a lot better at. And I like that you say grieving the transition. I've gone through this in so many different parts of my life. It's like, I'll make changes in my life, but then I'll like walk by a patio where 20 somethings are roseing all day. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of grieving my old self. That was fun. That, yeah. But it was, it was fun when I didn't have thoughts about it. And now I'm like, that that's not my version of fun anymore. I miss when that felt fun type thing. Right. And, and then as I'm moving through, I've, I've been just having a lot of changes, like where I'm like, I, I don't want to pass this down to my child. I feel like I can see clearly this has been passed down for so many generations. So it's my turn at the same time. That's lonely being the change maker in your family. And I get people reaching out to me all the time. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm the only person in my family that feels this way or that like believes I have the power to change my life. <laughs> you know, like it can be anything from that to whatever they they are awakened to and they seem to see clearly that everyone else in their family is blinded by. So right. when you are that person, how do you process that for yourself because sometimes it is sad where you're where you're like why didn't anyone think of this to give to me I know they didn't know better and so then you're like talking back and forth with that but having your you have to find a support system elsewhere what is your process for being that catalyst in maybe a sea of people who don't see what you see well I you know it's really powerful earlier we mentioned inflammatory language so in what you just said you said um People, certain people are awakened to certain things that their family is blinded to, right? You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. So both of those things, like already you've set yourself up for a fight with someone else or yourself. Your awakenings and enlightenment actually means releasing yourself of the burden. So when you inflame an opinion or a viewpoint or a vision with superiority or inferiority or isolation, right? Because that's how you feel when you're fucking mad about it, (laughs) right? That's what we do. What we tend to do is we want to see that fight or conflict embodied somewhere. But actual enlightenment, awakenings lead us to enlightenment. And enlightenment is releasing the burden. Your child came in and you said that burden you had, that you had suffered with all this time, it was gone. Because you released it, there was no need to further carry it until now. Yes. Is that right? Did I say that Mm -hmm. right? You got to the point at which you could release it. You no longer had a need for it and you needed that space for something else. So when you feel isolated in a situation, there is the the black side, the white side and all the gray in the middle, right? That we, we always find ourselves like in the yin and yang, there is the duality of life and you're going to find peace when you can find your way to the compassionate part of the middle. Your goal, we want to love people. And if we are in a family where their belief system, like I I have a personal experience, I can't even say any more than that because I shouldn't, but uh, where I have a family member that makes it really hard 
to love them. Really hard to love them. I want to love them. (laughs) (laughs) Why won't you let me love you? (laughs) You know, and and I've actually had that argument at a time or two. And then finally I had to say, wait, me expressing love the way that I want to express love is not love to that person. And so I'm not, I'm not loving them. If I'm trying to exert my will, right, which really is what it is, it's not just me loving them, it's me wanting to offer this thing that they don't want. So, and that is the thing that I think is at the crux of what you spoke about. People have their own divine wisdom, even if they are, they seem dumber than a doornail. (laughs) Even if they have the lowest viewpoint, and by low, I mean dense and unmoving and exclusive, right? Because to be loving, compassionate, and in flow means you are inclusive. You include everyone in your viewpoint of the world, right? So the opposite of that is to be exclusive and exclude everyone, but you and the people you pick around you, right? And that that creates this aura of superiority, which is not ever true, right? So when that dynamic happens, you if somebody doesn't want you to be in their club, you don't want to be in their club, you don't want to, right? That means that their karma is for is for them to live out fully in and of themselves. And the truth is, because spiritually speaking, we are all guided to expand and grow and include. That is the natural way of the universe. And that's true for all of us. Those people are going to get what they need when they need it and how they need it, but not from you. And that can be the way that you love them. And when you can accept that, that that is the way you love them, you love them by empowering them to be whatever you see them to be, that that's what they should be, that that is just as divine as what you are. It allows you to be free to move forward doing, you know, doing whatever you need and not have not have to bring them along with you. That's the one thing I think in, in, in my family, I early, early on, I got saved in the Christian church because my dad was, was an atheist and he was dying and I was the only one that knew it at the time. And I thought, I don't, I don't want him to burn in hell. I don't, you know, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and so I got saved. But Eventually, I learned that that, that's how human beings have interpreted the process, but that's not what it is fully. So my father is in heaven enjoying himself, and I'm at peace here. And Christ is fabulous wherever he is. (laughs) It's funny you ended on that. That that is another source of conflict. I was raised very Christian, Mm -hmm. and so it's something that I've moved away from. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate so much of what you said, because it reminds me of, I used to be really hard on my younger self because I had like all this potential and then I just sunk to the bottom. And then I spent another decade trying to climb out of my rock bottom. And I used to think, why was she so stupid? You know, she was smart and then she got stupid. What happened? And then I realized though, at some point that yes, that person made a lot of mistakes, but it was also that person that made the choice to start the process of becoming who I am now. And that is even harder than whatever I have to deal with now because I had everything ahead of me. And so in the same way where it can be easy to look at family members, and I only mentioned that kind of awakened versus not uh, because I've had a lot of conversations in my Instagram DMs about this. People are like, oh my God, there's no one around me. And those are the words that keep coming up and and I yes. felt them too. So I'm not letting myself off the hook. 
But to see that in some way, whether or not I wasn't born into some spiritual family that helped me gain access to my intuition at the age of five and whatever, in those ways, sometimes I yeah. see that and I'm like, oh, is th- this is what envy feels like. <laughs> but but at the, in the same way, my soul chose that and I have to trust that. Absolutely. And I need to say that my parents and my family are all very great. These are just specific conflicts. I'm not saying I was born to trauma, whatever. These are just little specific conflicts that are coming up. And it was all of those people in the exact ways that they were that enabled me to see different patterns. Whether or not they were the ones that first worked on them, they were the ones that showed them to me to where it was so obvious in me that I realized I had to change. And so having that compassion for myself and the generations before me, I think is really important and it can be very helpful for the people listening that might be you know, dealing with that also, like the what ifs type thing. It's like, well, then what? Yes, you might have been somebody different, but you don't know if you would have rebelled in a different way to where, you know, you would have spent your whole life at your rock bottom because they were the enlightened ones that you refused to be in in the same way. I think that you you bring up an amazing point. And I just want to say this about it. You are exactly who you were intended to be. And it was never going to be any other way than this. And you had the courage to indulge in the darkness so that you could emerge from the darkness in your light and you could bring light to that part of yourself and to those in your family and to all the people that you reach out to. And that's real courage. That's what people become a doctor for, or, you know, that, that's, that is all those things in our world that, that our status, that is you. We just don't yet have a name for it. <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't have a name for that yet, but you ding, 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 you win. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you brought to this. It, I find that the more that I'm able to see these things, the more that I'm just able to confront my life with honesty and not make excuses for things, not stick to my previous narratives. I just feel like I'm being guided in so many ways and that guidance can look different than it does to other people. It's not necessarily a voice in my head, but it, it's like I'll open a page and it's exactly what I need. And this was one of those interviews for me. So thank you so much for all the wisdom that you brought to this topic. And for listeners that are resonating with you as much as I am, where's the best place for them to connect with you? And uh, tell us about your book. Well, you can reach me at tracydunblazer.com and that's T-R-A-C-E-E-D-U-N-B-L-A-Z-I-E-R.com. And you can get all my information, but I'm on, you know, Facebook, Instagram. I'm just starting on TikTok, but hopefully I'm, that's my 2022 project. Uh, and my book is called Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. And it really is, it's been called a manual for today's times. And it really is. It really breaks down uh, everything from the very beginnings of human experience on the planet and how we relate to that, uh, how we relate to our ancestors, all the way to how we deal with authority, fear, hate, and death. I also deal with divinity and sexuality and how they're connected. Creativity is the thing that connects them. So I, I really wanted to address all of the topics that you're uncomfortable talking about your mother with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot there. <laughs> All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x69. Your challenge for this week is to start identifying some of your karmic patterns. You can look at this like behavioral patterns that have maybe stuck with you your entire life, 
or even behavioral patterns that have passed down through family members that maybe you just thought was genetic, when really the genetic part of it is the behaviors and watching the patterns and being exposed to the patterns and thinking those patterns are normal. This is actually a big reason why I stopped drinking this last year. I am just a little bit over five months sober, which is exciting for me. I never got to the point of full-blown alcoholic or anything, but I could definitely feel myself wanting that nightly glass of wine at five, (laughs) moving it earlier and earlier during the pandemic. My father was actually sober when I was young. So he was actually one of the first to want to break this pattern in my family. Unfortunately, he died when I was 19, right around the time that I began drinking. (laughs) Well, drinking regularly. So he wasn't there to share his wisdom about what he learned over time. And I didn't really ask about that kind of thing when I was really young. My dad's dad was an alcoholic. There are many heavy drinkers on my mom's side. Some who have gone through the program and have gotten sober themselves. My stepdad is Italian, so wine for dinner is definitely the norm. So I had to basically confront all of these patterns and ask myself, is this something that I want bravery, my little one, to normalize as well? And on his six-month birthday, I decided I'm not drinking today, and I don't think I'm going to drink moving forward. So that's how I came to recognize that karmic pattern and make the choice for myself. And part of me was even sort of touched by the idea that my dad was the first one to try to break this. I wonder what he would think looking down, watching me drinking regularly and watching all of the hard work he put in be for nothing. Maybe that's not how it works, but that is what worked for me. And that is really all that matters. So I want to know what you're working on. Is it something that you've just noticed in your lifetime? Or is it something that a lot of people in your family struggle with? And what are you going to do to address that? You don't need to have the answer by the end of this week, but just that awareness will help you to make the change in the future. Now, I will tell you, I had this awareness over alcohol years ago. I had an idea that maybe one day I'll stop drinking years ago. And that's okay that I wasn't ready when I first had that thought because it was the awareness that allowed me to continue to gather evidence in my life for whether or not I was going to break up with alcohol for good. So use the awareness as just your starting point. It's your willingness or allowance of allowing more information to flow to you to help you make the decision that's right for you. And let me know how it goes. Reach out to me. Email, Instagram, all the ways. Frankly, I'm spending less time on social. I go through spurts, so you can still get a hold of me there, but I am now spending more time figuring out the content I want to create for my premium members as well as upcoming courses. So I may not be as accessible on the socials, but I do love when you screenshot these episodes that meant a lot to you and tag me in them. Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. So I look forward to seeing what you all share and that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.